Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Alan Parker said, sometimes with the British film industry, it's hard to know if we're waving or drowning. Let's find out. Welcome to another BritFlix.com podcast. My name's Stuart Wright, and today's guest, Danny Morgan. Welcome to the show. Hello, Stuart. Thank you for having me, mate. It's uh, We've been a, lo- a long time trying to organise this thing, so I'm, I'm glad we're doing it. You're not the longest lead time, you, 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 you'll be proud to know. I, oh, really? Yeah, 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 I took four years on one. <laughs> Admittedly, wow, that was the been. film as well, though. That wasn't just me being bad at admin. Um, right. <laughs> I used to okay. I used to meet these, the uh, man of uh, man of Mowax, the James Lavelle documentary. Um, mm-hmm. I met the guys early doors in Cannes, who were making the movie, right. and I said, "Oh, you've got to come on and talk about it." I love that. I love all that music scene from that time. And yeah. um, it took four years from that conversation to uh, to a podcast, which was wow. Uh, okay. So uh, we, we've, we're spring chickens in terms of this journey. Um, yeah, that's not bad, is it? Not bad at all. Now, um, we've not here to come to talk about my admin. Uh, we've come to yep. talk about your movie, Double Date. Maybe it's just not meant to happen. I've tried everything. Am I sexy? Of course you yes, are. Yes, I am. <laughs> Jesus. Jennifer! Even went on this dating website specifically for virgins, and I got one response from a 12-year-old Chinese boy. Turn 30 on Sunday, don't you? Right, well, I promise you now, you're going to lose your virginity before you're 30. This is my present to you, my brother. This has got to work fast. I don't think, act, off your pot. Would you like to go out for a fuck time in lotion? Oh, shit. Fun. Sorry. Fun time in London. Yeah, we'd love to, wouldn't we? Yeah. You'd love what? Wardroy. Absolutely not. Syringe. Chloroform. Knife. Let's do this. Ladies. So you're uh, sisters then? Yeah. Cool. It's cool. I think I'm having a panic attack, all right? It just doesn't make any sense, does it? Why would these two beautiful girls just turn up out of the blue and be interested in us? What if we let them go? Jim's really nice. It's different from the others. You are doing it. Tonight. Minute. 
Kitty. Sounds like strippers' names. <laughs> but you're not strippers. No. Do you want to tell people how they can watch the film first? Yes. So uh, Double Date is available um, on Amazon. You can rent it off Amazon. It's on, on DVD and Blu-ray. Uh, it's on iTunes and Google Play. And uh, I'm sure there, there's a couple of others that I can't remember right now. If you, you can come to my house, I've got some DVDs. I'll, you know, I can just sell you them. Uh, or I can just act the film out. If you pay me a few quid, I'll come and act the film out for you. Uh, so there's all those ways to do it. But uh, yeah, mostly Amazon is a good place to go to. Cool. Right then. So so to give people a reason who might not know the film just yet, do you want to give us a brief synopsis as to what Double Date's all about? Sure. Uh, so it is, it's Double Date. It's two guys, two girls, uh, one night in London uh, and in the countryside as well. Um, and the two guys are two best friends and the two girls are serial killer sisters and, uh, hilarity and scares ensue. Um, uh, yeah. So it's just basically the worst double date you can possibly imagine. I play a character called Jim who is terrified of dating, terrified of women, like really anxious about it all. And, uh, the one night that he's, uh, mate gets him over this fear it just happens to be the one night where he really should have stayed at home mm. and uh yeah so it's a really really fun comedy horror um indie uh action-packed film and i'm really really proud of it i'm sure you are i'm sure you are so let's let's start at the beginning then because a pair of serial killing sisters is not an obvious place to start a film idea it doesn't sound like the standard trope <laughs> i'm used to hearing um no we so for you my as sisters, mate. Sorry, it's not made your sisters. <laughs> you haven't met my sisters. So go on then. Well, well, tell the audience then. So where, where does an idea like that begin for you as a writer? Uh, yeah, so basically I was um, I was acting. I've been acting my whole life. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was only till about six or seven years ago that I started thinking, well, look, I'm just sort of hanging around waiting for the phone to ring. I need to be more proactive and try and create my own opportunities uh, and so I thought right I'm going to write a film you know that can't be too hard but you know screen, sure screen write as a slapping laptop shut right now as you say that <laughs> mate believe me I know the truth now and I wish <laughs> I'd never started go on um, if I knew if I knew then what I knew now I would never have even started to write this film um no so I just yeah I had this idea this basic idea in my head of mm. uh, Four characters, you know, the two guys and the two girls on it one night. And I thought, okay, this is manageable. This is a small idea. Um, I think I can handle this. And I liked that basic premise of the two guys thinking they're getting lucky and the two girls actually trying to kill the guys, mm. um, which is not a spoiler, by the way. That's pretty much set up from the beginning. Um, and so, yeah, so I thought, okay, well, I'm going to try and have a go at this. Um, uh, in terms of where that idea came from, I mean, it's you know, in a, on a personal note, it's definitely something I experienced, especially in my twenties. Uh, this kind of uh, anxiety around dating and um, and all that kind of stuff. So I just thought, well, uh, you know, if 
I'm going to try and explore that. What is that fear and what is it about? And so I decided, well, maybe I'd create two characters who are women who are actually really terrifying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, so it was just a way, I guess, you know, people say write about what you know. So that was just a, a good starting point for me, really. So, so in a sense, what you're saying is you 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 took the very real pressure that, that sort of young men are under and um, something you remember, yeah. which is get a shag or you've failed to have a night out basically isn't it as far as i remember yeah um, pretty much which is yeah, a weird way it... to go about your life because that isn't necessarily <laughs> a healthy way to go about things so it is it is there is something wrong with men in that sense but obviously then you ratchet that up and you go if i add in that the women are to be scared of really not just they might turn me down then yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah you've got yourself a horror film haven't you yeah, exactly. Well, that's that's what I thought. And I thought, you know, and I I like the idea of doing a horror because um, there's a there's just a there's a great audience. The horror audience are just we're very, you know, um, rabid fans. And they just it's just a ready made audience for you there. And um, I've always sort of done comedy mostly. So it just kind of came together naturally, those two genres. Now, as, now as someone uh, who, who was who was sort of thinking, I'm going to do writing because how hard could it be? Um, <laughs> yeah, and, and I, I say that jokingly, but but in all seriousness, though, when you sat down to take your idea of of a double date that turns into a horror situation, yes, what, what you didn't obviously just sit down and go right, I'll do a script now. What was what was your kind of learning curve to sort of know what you were doing about writing a screenplay, or did you feel that you already knew what one was sitting down well, to write it? Yeah, I mean, I, I think because of my experiences as, as an actor, like mm-hmm. I've done. I've been I've done a lot of acting, so I'd read a lot of scripts, and uh, I felt like I sort of knew, kind of just instinctually about scripts, and especially dialogue and characters and stuff. Mm-hmm. The, the things I didn't know anything about were structure and the kind of nuts and bolts of writing, and um, uh, and and on. So I was very lucky in terms of I kind of sat down and wrote a really rough first draft. Uh, I mean, really, really rough. This thing was awful. But um, would it would it be I, safe to set, use the expression that is common parlance among writers of the vomit draft? It was the vomit draft, mate. I mean, this was the vomit, diarrhea, food poisoning <laughs> of all drafts. This the botulism. Was, uh, but this, the botul- <laughs> this was the botulism draft, mate. It was absolutely horrendous. But how did you but, pick, how did you pick the bones out of the botulism draft? <laughs> well, I was luckily. Uh, I randomly met um, producer Matt Wilkinson mm-hmm. uh, at a bar. And to this day, I don't remember meeting him at all. It was late one night. Um, everyone was very drunk. And I, I just woke up one day with a with a, um, with a a business card in my wallet mm-hmm. from uh, Matt James, you know, Matthew James Wilkinson, film producer. And I was like, oh, God, who's this? <laughs> uh, I had no recollection of meeting him. And so I emailed him and just said, uh, hi, Matt, I've just got your uh, card here. Um, I don't know if, if we talked much, but I've got this script called Double Date. And he just in, he just came back and went, yeah, you, we spoke about it for two hours. <laughs> uh, so uh, I know. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, of course we did. Um, uh, so, yeah, and he said, look, send it over and I'll take a look. And uh, so I sent it over and he came back and said, look, I think, there's re- some really good stuff in there. Uh, it's just it's just all over the place, and it needs it needs a lot of work. And I said that's great. And he was just um, 
lovely about it and basically said, look, I'll help you mold this. And he basically spent the next kind of year or two giving me a crash course in screenwriting because Matt comes from a, uh, he's a right comes from a writing background. He's a great writer, and he's um, that's a hell of a producer to have on board. Oh mate, it's just perfect. It, I mean, honestly, if Double Date wouldn't have come about if it wasn't for Matt just kind of taking me under his wing and saying, "I'm going to help you teach you about script writing and beats and um, structure and all this." How stuff of interest then for having, going through that kind of crash course and sort of fast discovery, as it were, of these elements that sort of. Yeah. That, that build a screenplay as opposed to you maybe as an actor seeing a script in terms of this character's interesting. I like what they're doing yeah. in this moment because that's what I've got to read or God, I'm jealous because I wish I was reading that part or however you might look at a screenplay. How did you find yeah. the process of discovering you have to sort of construct those moments into something yeah. that flows as, I guess, as emotion and, and plots? It's not just that was funny. How did you find yes. that as a, well, as, a as a constraint, I suppose? Yeah. Well, that was what well, the first draft was just me trying to be as funny, just trying to write as many jokes as I possibly could. Got you. Uh, and uh, and I think that's what kind of attracted Matt to it. Matt said, "Look, it, it is funny, and there is lots of laugh out loud stuff here, and the characters um, are good and strong and clear." Um, and so I was just. Uh, yeah, the stuff I was lacking in was all the the, the technical side of it, and um, he he was amazing, really. He really did. And then obviously afterwards, I went off and kind of read some books and things and learned a bit about it. But yeah, it was definitely tricky. Uh, it was it was a really hard process, and it's not something that comes naturally to me either. Like I'm, I don't have very good attention span, and I'm pretty lazy. I mean, my, my default setting is to do nothing. To, to be honest with you, um, that's kind of like why people write. Right. That's what I'm learning more and more as someone that does it. Right. The more I, I read more and more and hear more and more interviews of people saying things like, it's only 15% set at a keyboard. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> what else am I doing? And they're going, you stare out the window, you have a think. You struggle with yeah. your own insecurities. <laughs> you know, it's not yeah. none of none of it's really writing. It's uh, it's, tr it's true. It's the battle to get to do the actual writing. Everybody loves. I think everybody loves to have written. You know that idea. Of, I've done it. Yeah. Look, see. But everyone Absolutely. hates the journey to it. I suppose it's the. Um, it's so true. That is so true. I love. I look back at Double Date with such fondness, and I'm like, God, that was just such a brilliant experience. But I I can remember the anguish and the and the frustration and just wanting to give up like 10, 10 times just kind of thinking this is never happening. I'm just, what's the point? I can't do this. Can you remember out of interest from, from, from Matt's notes you were getting and as you were getting, I guess, forget the, the sort of early part of it where you're kind of on that steep learning curve, but as you got into it yeah. and you began to understand what it was you and Matt were trying to achieve as a screenplay, you could then take to investors yeah. and take to other actors and stuff. Um, what do yeah. you remember being like one of the most sort of important notes you got from Matt that helped kick the screenplay on for you? Um, well, the thing Matt just kept saying to me was, uh, I think the most important thing was grounding it in, in reality. So, um, it, it's a, it's a really hard thing to describe, but basically if you're doing something that is, if you're writing something that is quite big in terms of, uh, murderers or serial killers and, uh, and whatever. So this is quite a big high concept thing. Yeah. 
um, it, it's so important that you kind of ground it and that you make the whole thing feel believable and you make the characters feel believable. So if you're going to make these characters really, really funny, then you just have to kind of keep making sure that they are, they're, they're truthful and they, they feel like real people. So um, that was, that was really important. So Matt would just keep saying ground it and, um, and just keep pushing it and keep pushing yourself to kind of come up with better ideas. And what I didn't, what I wasn't prepared for was just how many rewrites and, you know, how, how often it would be like, yep, that's, we'll take 5% of that new draft, but then the rest we're going to chuck away and we're going to start basically again. And um, that process is, was really, really, really weird to get my head around. It's quite, it's quite brutal, isn't it? The uh, the idea it's brutal, that, yeah. that somebody said somebody could say to you, "We're about five percent right." Um, if, <laughs> if we, and you're like going, "There's ninety five pages there. Come on." <laughs> yeah, I've just spent the last three weeks writing that. <laughs> but do you mean we're going to throw it all away? But in the in the in the spirit of what I guess is in reality a a, a lot of trial and error, you've yeah. The good thing is. You've got rid of some things that are wrong. It's impossible to see it that way, isn't it? But you've kind of got yeah, rid of the things the that you don't need, which, you know, that thing about how we can all say what we don't want when we see it, but we never can describe what we want before. Yes. Yeah, it's true. It's true. You, you have to kind of swallow that frustration and and just try and take a step back and go, look, this is a much bigger process than I can even comprehend right now. Because you always think the the draft you're doing is going to be the draft, and we're going to film it, and it's going to be great. Because you sort of have to trick yourself into thinking that you'd go mad otherwise. Um, I think otherwise you'd go mad just thinking, well, this is all just going to get thrown away. So why am I bothering? But although, it's, although it's, Hem, Hem, apparently Hemingway said you have to wake up every morning and tell yourself you're going to do some shit. <laughs> I love that. That's great. Because because you know you're going to rewrite <laughs> it, so it's like. Just do shit. And yeah. to be honest with you, if you can do it, and I st- I st- I'm nowhere near it, I still get, I still think I'm doing school reports where you get an A or a B, um, you know, when you're yeah, writing. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm like what you're describing. It's like, no, this is the one. This will be the one they'll sign off on. But yeah. as, as a true sort of creative, if you, can, if you can believe that you're just doing the work and you'll get yeah. there in the end, which obviously, like we established, the pair of us might not be the best examples of the Calvinistic work ethic, but... <laughs> But um, but you got yeah, there, yeah. and you made you made that you made you 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 did get the script that got the got people involved. You know, Matt first seeing the seeing the potential in it. Matt working with you to 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 yeah. build that that potential up to something you could take out, and then cast. And so when Benjamin Bar is it Barfoot? Barfoot, yeah, yeah. My eyesight went then for a second. Um, when he got involved, at what stage is he the director when you're writing the screenplay? So Ben, me and Ben, basically, uh, we met at MTV. We started out started out together at MTV, um, just doing little silly little bits and pieces, really. I was doing uh, a thing called Ginger Bloke, where I was kind of interviewing bands and just being an idiot. Okay. Uh, and, and he would... Uh, Did you have to dress up for that ed- part? <laughs> <laughs> it was a real stretch. I'm not sure, I'm not sure how I got it. Um, but yeah, it was just me. But it was me improvising and just kind of having fun. And then I, they would get me to interview people, and it was a good luck. It was a good sort of first foray into TV and working with a camera and stuff. Mm, no, sounds fun. Uh, yeah, it was really fun. And um, 
Ben was the editor of these things, and we so we met then, and then a couple years after that, we just started making these silly little short films together, just because we were bored, really, and you know, um, Ben really was desperate to direct. He was kind of editing uh, corporate videos and stuff, and I was auditioning and working in pubs and things and so we were like come on let's just make something and uh and so we came up i came up with the idea of um this short film which is on youtube now Mm -hmm. called where did it go where did it all go ron and um it's about a 30 year old ron weasley from harry potter Mm -hmm. uh and he's an alcoholic drug addict um He's living in his flat and he's depressed and uh, Harry, and Harry and Hermione are not talking to him anymore and he's got a drinking problem and all this stuff. And uh, it, it's very dark and it's very silly. Um, but we, So Ben just literally came round to my flat with his camera and we started shooting this thing for over a couple of days. And then Ben went away and kind of edited, edited it together and yeah. turned it into this thing which... Uh, really ended up being the kind of the thing that got us the job or got Ben the job on double date. Okay. That's and it's just really, 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 yeah, it's de- definitely worth checking. It's really, really dark. We'll put a link in the we show notes. For hilarious. The po- we'll put a link in the show notes for the podcast. Oh, amazing. Yeah. That'd be great. It's, you know, it's, it, it, it's definitely kind of, you can see the similarities with double date in the, in the sense of humor and the real mm. kind of, uh, the bleakness and, um, so yeah, anyway, so we, we shot that thing and people really liked it. It was funny. We couldn't really enter it into any festivals or anything because we don't have any rights to any of the, hmm. obviously, any of the Harry Potter references. Warner Brothers um, have so much to say, mightn't they? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, and, but it, we just loved doing it and we had a great time. And then, so we kept going. We kept making these little other short films, just sticking them up on YouTube and, we, we did like a, quite a few things and we just really, really loved it. And uh, at all the while I'm writing Double Date, I'm trying to get Double Date going. But um, originally when me and Matt were kind of developing Double Date, it was going to be about, it was going to be much bigger. It was going to be like a three million pound film. I feel like this happens a lot. People write a script and they go, well, this is going to be a massive five, 10 million pound film. And then it gradually just gets lowered and lowered and lowered. Uh which ended up being the, the best thing for it, really, and um, because it meant we could use a director like Ben, who hadn't done a feature before. Um, we got the budget down to about five hundred grand, mm-hmm. uh, and and so then it came became a reality. Matt saw Matt watched Where Did It All Go Wrong, and he loved it, uh, and just could see that me and Ben had a good way of working together, and uh, yeah. So Ben and Matt met up and then the three of us, it was kind of the three of us then and all feeding into the script. Ben had his ideas about the script and it, we just realised we had a really good team there. Okay, so let me just, uh, let me just rewind in a sec. So so the reason I asked the question is that yeah. I wasn't aware of your connection with him. So this Ben's someone you collaborated with already, both before and yes. while you're developing Double Date. And obviously while Double Date has yeah. got the ambition to be this this you know, $3 million movie, it's not something yeah. you can put him at the helm at because I underst- from what no. I understand, investors and sales agents go, we can't sell that to make the kind of money you need to return on $3 million investment. So that's that's yeah. perfect logical. But as as 
as the ability to make the film for less became more of a reality, or maybe the scope yeah. of the film was able to be shaped to be less expensive, it then became yes. less important that director was a name. And I guess maybe some of your acting talent become an yeah. asset to the film. Um, but don't need yeah. to be, you know, when, when I say that, I don't mean everyone's looking, because obviously everybody's looking for Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt, but obviously they don't go in every film. So everybody's yeah, got Yeah, we worth. approached them, but they they were busy. Yeah, no, I, I was I was on the call to them just before I spoke to you. Um, but, <laughs> but they said, no, we can't, we can't do spring 2020. So, you know, yeah. what can you do? Okay. Um, but yes, so so everything, everyone, everyone's got value, haven't they, in the, in the kind of food chain of making a film relative yeah. to how much the film costs to make. It's not just a straightforward, they're the right person for the job always, is it? No, absolutely not. It's it's a real, it's a business, you know, and you're asking for a lot of money. Mm. And these these investors, they want some, They want to see someone, uh, they want to see a director who they can trust, they've seen, they can make a film and whatever. And So, yeah, the reality is if we were going to do it for two or three million, there's just no way Ben or any first-time director really could mm. have done it, probably. So, um, so fast forward on then. So when when you've got the film, your script's in the bag, Ben's the director, Matt's your producer, yep. and yep. you're going to shoot, and then Danny Morgan is no longer, well, he's still the writer, obviously, but you're now yes. one of the leads in the film. Um, yes. What's the cha- what was the challenge for you as an actor to stop being a writer while you're in front of the camera? And of uh, and obviously I say that because with you having such a close relationship with Ben, there may be yeah. a temptation. Or, I guess I guess that's a roundabout way of asking, how do you be like the, the actor you want to be while being conscious yeah. you've written the script? Yeah, it was it was interesting. Like it, I, I, I actually found it a lot more comfortable than I thought I would. Hmm. Um, I think because if you're the writer and the actor, you sort of go, well, look, the writing's done. Because you are kind of still writing on set, but really the work has been done and you're just there having fun with the actors. And So I kind of just took my writing hat off a little bit and said, look, I'm now an actor on set. And if, if, if it came to it and we needed to change a line here and there, then we would kind of do it on the fly. But um, really, I just thought of myself as an actor when I was on set. Um, and so, yeah, so it, in that in that sense, it wasn't really that. It wasn't really that different. Um, now, not wishing to make it sound the... over bureaucratic, but going into it, did you did did you decide as a film production what what how you would approach, say, one of your actors wanting to change something? Was that approach you, approach Matt, approach Ben? Yeah, well, we didn't really. I mean, basically, me and Ben love improvisation. It's some it's something that we we've, we've always done mm-hmm. in all the short film all the short films and even back to the old mtv days was always just me pissing about in front of camera right making stuff up and then ben ben trudging through hours of footage and trying to put something half decent together <laughs> so uh, so in terms of that it's we all we love uh we love actors coming up with stuff and we like and we love to hu- so we'd love to hire actors who are comfortable doing that um, obviously you don't have to, you can totally stick to the script if you want, but we do encourage people to kind of bring stuff to the table. Uh, so yeah, we were always very, very happy with that. And, you know, you get an actor like Michael Soccer, who's just, uh, an improvisational, uh, wizard. And it's just, you just kind of turn the camera on and let him go really. And sometimes he would stick to the script and sometimes he would just go off and, 
but we made it very clear to all the actors when they came on set we we really we, we want to collaborate with you and we want you to uh, just play around really and, and kind of do what you want to be fair and then we'd always get the script as written and then on the first couple of takes and then uh, then let people just go mad and just do what they want. Okay, so so in a sense, what you're saying is your your own willingness to embrace improvisation as a as a performer anyway made you completely comfortable yeah. for people using your script as a platform to get to the best place, not oh, necessarily yeah. adhere to your script. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm 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 not precious about my scripts at mm. all. Like, uh, I always see them as kind of this is basically what the film's going to be but then it's going to totally evolve when we're on set as well so it's just more like a starting point um now you've got the but, two you've uh, got the two sisters you've got the two serial killing sisters who are on the double date so yes just just so i can differentiate who which what which is your love interest and which is the other which is the one i'm just, my mind's gone slippy here yeah, so Lulu is the more innocent of the two, and yeah. she's the one who takes pity on me. And there's a bit of a romance, a bit of a love story between me and Lulu. And then Kitty is the psycho. And that's that's Kelly Wenham, isn't it? Who, who that's who, Kelly Wenham, who's quite the athlete to say the least. In this yeah, movie, well, yeah, she? yeah. Well, she did all that by on like by herself, really. I mean, mm. we kind of said, look, we want Kitty to be physically imposing. Mm-hmm. And Kelly Kelly ran with that, and you know they the production paid for her to get some fight training and stuff, but she just went all in, and she didn't look anything like that before. You know when we when we hired her, yeah, uh, she just wanted she wanted to go all in, and she really pushed herself like right to her limits. Um, and it, I think it totally works because you need to believe that Kitty can overpower pretty much anyone and. Otherwise, the whole thing just feels fake. The whole thing will just kind of fall apart if you're not if you don't if you're not scared of Kitty, physically, um, and mentally. Uh, then the whole film kind of falls apart. So she, you know, she just went absolutely nuts. Now the other the, the other side of being the writer of the screenplay that's then acting opposite the people say, saying out your words. How how yeah. what did you feel in terms of how you imagine Kitty when you put on the page? Because obviously she's she's kind of, I guess she's key antagonist, isn't she, to your protagonist? Um, although you could That's argue right. yeah. you could argue that um, that Alex with Michael Zotcher is also your antagonist because he he leads you astray into yeah. things you don't want to do. But for the purposes of what the high concept <laughs> for the purposes of the high concept, Kitty, Kitty is the antagonist of the story. Um, Yes. From what you imagined when you were going through those drafts with you and Matt and with Ben, what did what did Kelly bring that really brought her to life in your mind that you were like, I never thought of that? Yeah, I mean, loads. She, it was it was a really weird meeting actually with Kelly because some it was one of those moments where you just think the, the universe. And I'm, I'm not like this. Like I don't really believe. I sort of believe that the universe is kind of leading you to do things but I think it's more just you do things and then if it's right you keep doing those things if it's wrong you move it you're right you're being guided slightly Mm. um anyway so I was doing this table read for a uh for like a tv sitcom pilot and um uh, it was just this random thing I was doing it to help a friend out and I was sat there and I had double date and we were trying to find some cast 
we were trying to cast the thing basically and then i was at i was at this table read and there was a, this actress there um called kelly and she was playing in that she was reading a part in the sitcom called kitty and this that's absolutely absolutely true she was reading this part <laughs> called kitty and i was i was looking at her and thinking holy shit she would be perfect for kitty brilliant she's reading a part called kitty like this i mean it's just like some it's like god going it's her you idiot <laughs> the star like, the stars are all mean? aligned and they're going look we're aligned now can you just notice <laughs> yeah i mean literally <laughs> the only thing she needed was a flashing neon sign over her going talk to her um so and it was really awkward because uh, you know i didn't know her at all and normally at these table reads you just kind of go hi hi and then at the end you go bye nice to meet you see you but i just felt that this thing inside me was like you have to talk to her you have to say something and so i kind of went over and there was this awkward moment where i think the rest of the cast thought i was asking her out and they're going no mate don't do this this is going to be really <laughs> embarrassing <laughs> and i sort of went up to her in a weird way, it was almost like Jim going over to Kitty. Um, uh, and I was that nervous as well. And I just sort of blurted out, look, um, I've written this film and we're kind of casting. We're, we're going to shoot like a little te te teaser trailer. And um, would you come and audition for this part? And she was really nice. And she said, yeah, absolutely. And she gave me her email address. And then we did like a little casting call of actresses. And we saw probably about eight eight or nine actresses for kitty and i just had this feeling about kelly and i told ben i said i think i've found kitty randomly and she came into the audition and there's a little bit of her audition in the making of which is on the dvd okay um she came into the audition and she scared the shit out of me in literally what, in i was what sense well, I was reading in, I was actually reading in a, a part, a scene with her and Lulu, and I was reading in the Lulu part. And um, she, there's a bit where she, she has to scream, you're doing it tonight. And she kind of pins Lulu up against the wall. And it got to that line, and she grabbed me by my hair and slammed me against the wall. This is in the audition. Mm -hmm. and, and kind of got right in my face and said, you're doing it tonight. And I'm not joking, I think I shat myself. Like, I honestly was so scared and so completely intimidated. And I just turned to Ben and I said, yeah, that's, that was amazing, that was brilliant. Um, and we kind of just knew then, really, in that room, like, Kelly was just kind of made to play Kitty. She just had this kind of crazy, this kind of edge to her, um, really really obviously very attractive and uh, gorgeous and which kelly which kitty has to be she has to be very alluring mm -hmm. um but just this real kind of darkness inside um and a real edge of unpredictability which i mean you know kelly has and she would openly admit that um so she just kind of yeah she really really brought so much that was lots of it was not on the page she just really really went for it and kelly's actually really funny she's a comedy actress um and so she kept wanting to make jokes in the film but we kept having to say Ke kelly no kitty's the young probably the only person who doesn't make jokes in this film she has to be scary she has to be terrifying it'd be like if the jaw if the shark in jaws <laughs> was wearing a funny hat i think that's jaws um, four actually isn't it <laughs> that's true um, 
it just wouldn't work. So, uh, yeah, so she's really, really funny. So she had to kind of squash that and get into a real dark space. And it took a lot out of her physically and mentally. She was she was completely drained by the end of the shoot. She put she put everything into it, really. Now, um, this is this is a slight spoiler, but it's not a mass, it's not a massive story spoiler, but but it certainly yeah. is. It's it because I, I, I remiss for me not to talk about this. Now I've got the chance to speak to you. One of yeah. the funniest parts of the film for me, and I've mentioned this to you on social media, is yeah. your coming up on um, <laughs> on MDMA. Yes. Uh, your character is <laughs> yeah. obviously, I mean, I can't imagine you'd do drugs. That'd be terrible. Um, yeah. You're coming up pretending and uh, your character is then faced with the absurd image <laughs> while I'm guessing for the character, it's his first time as well, isn't it? He, a, unbeknownst and, and B, it's his first time. So therefore he doesn't have a clue what's going on. And he has to, yeah, and he exactly. goes to his parents' house to be faced with the lovely surprise of everybody wearing T-shirts with his face on. <laughs> and yeah. he's coming up and Now, one, when you, where, did that, where does that idea come from for a, for, a funny, for a funny scene within the film? You know, when you, when you, when you nailed that scene, yeah. where's that coming from for you? And also what I'm interested in is, A, how does it stay funny when obviously you go through all those iterations of the screenplay? And then by the time you get to perform it, how do you get it to be funny when it's lived so long <laughs> in your mind? Yeah, yeah, it's a good question. Um, that scene was really interesting because it was a scene in the script that was kind of, it was close to being cut a bunch of times. It was like, no. why are they going? Well, yeah, because it, in the initially it wasn't very funny and it was just kind of a blah scene. He would go, I went to my family. I was on drugs, but I went to my family and they were just normal, very normal family. And it was just like um, Jim acted high around a family who really weren't that bothered by it all. And it was just, it just kind of didn't really go anywhere. And Matt was saying, look, this scene is just missing something. It's missing uh, the real conflict. And Matty, I think it was Matty's idea. He said, look, you've got to make this family the, the worst possible family that you could be high in front of. <laughs> and so just make them really, really squeaky clean, um, quite religious, uh, almost kind of Mormon feeling, just kind of very, very sweet and smiley and like not quite understanding <laughs> what's going on. Um, and so once Matt said that, I was like, oh, OK, I get it now. That's. It, yeah, it, me being high is not enough. There needs to be something about like uh, pushing against that. Um, yeah, because in a way, it's like the last thing on earth they could imagine is your high. Yeah. So therefore, <laughs> no, no matter yeah. how ridiculous you get, it couldn't possibly be because of drugs because they wouldn't no. know what drugs are. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah, it. yeah. That's why it works. They, yeah. so, they, so they just think, oh, he's having a brilliant time. <laughs> he's really enjoying this to this year's party. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> and then and there's the joke about him thinking that I've been touched by Jesus and mm. all this stuff, these silly gags. Um, but it just kind of, it, that's what sparked it. And then I thought, well, I'm just going to ramp this scene right up. The comment, just ramp the scene right up. Because again, that's, you, you know, we we're playing with, playing with tone and um, how big to go with the comedy and how big to go with the horror. So it was constantly fluctuating um how funny to be and how scary to be and that scene wasn't very funny at the beginning and then i just thought well fuck it i'm going to crank the comedy up to 10 in that scene 
and see what happens and then we just it just kind of it fell together really and then I had the idea of doing the the family song like a kind of a, a, a family birthday song that is genius by the way <laughs> yeah well that's I thought well how can this scene escalate what how can it end what could be the worst possible thing and I was like okay well, if your family had an embarrassing birthday song that they sung whenever it was someone's birthday and um uh, I've got this friend, Eri Jackson, who plays my sister in the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is a brilliant comedian and uh, writes songs. She's a great singer and she uh, she writes great comedy songs. And so I said, look, Eri, I need you to write this. I need you to write a song for me that's the most cringiest family birthday song you can imagine. And literally, that's the, fir- the first thing she came back with was no that. No way absolutely that first bash and not only that she'd she'd done all the the four part harmonies she'd done each each character's harmony and um she said this is how this person would sing at this point and then it would you know she choreographed the entire thing and i was just like and when i was watching it the first time i listened to the song my skin was crawling and i was so cringy like i wanted felt like i was turning inside out it was so cringy and uh, I just said, Ari, this is fucking perfect. Like, I don't want to change a single thing. And, um, yeah, and then we got, we had to send that song out to the actors, which was really awkward, like, but the, they were so game. You know, Rosie Caballero, who plays my mum, and Robert Glenister, who plays my dad, just came onto set, and they'd learnt the song, they knew all the harmonies, and they were just bang up for it. And it, so we thought, right, we're going to go for this. As a, as a, as a layperson, Danny, in the sense of I can't act, with something right. as absurd as this situation, how do any yeah. of you <laughs> get to the end of the take without corpsing? <laughs> I don't. It's, it's well, I can understand corpsing in the sense of oh, it's a dead serious moment, and then eventually you get it done. But the but this yeah. is such a heightened moment in every sense, and like you say, the mm. cherry on the cake is this wonderful song that you've now created for the film as well. Um, yeah, and and Rosie's Rosie's such a brilliant comic actor anyway. Um, yes, yes, she is. It's like you could because you, you, you're obviously not always on camera when 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 the scenes are being take a take a take. So to look at someone as they're doing what's funny, it's like I don't yeah. know. Is is the technique from an acting point of view? Is there is the is the things you've got to tell yourself? Like you know, almost like you know, hit yourself on the knee with a spoon or something. You know, <laughs> metaphorically speaking, obviously yeah. not literally. <laughs> I do carry a spoon on set. <laughs> I realise what a uh, ridiculous thing that was as the words come out my mouth. Go on, carry on. <laughs> but I know what you mean. Yeah, I mean, mate, I'm sure there are some techniques that, that people have taught people, but I, I don't know any. I mean, I haven't had any real training or anything, so I, I just kind of, um, I tend to just piss myself uh, and just just laugh if something's really funny. I'm the worst at it, really, and so... I'll be the one on set just creasing up, but it doesn't. That doesn't really bother me because I like I like that. I like if people are doing stuff that's funny. I mean, obviously you cut. Yeah, at some point you've got to pull your shit together and stop laughing. But especially if you're making a comedy, I think you should. There should be that feeling on set. Um, I, I just think it makes everyone more comfortable to know that you can laugh if you want. Okay, well, so it's uh, almost like, almost like you, everyone's prepared for the dam to break, as it were, because that's because if it's not there, then maybe it's not even funny, is it? So to speak, it's like. It's almost like feeling like that's it is it. funny if we're if we're trying to stifle it. Yeah, that's it. I think so. 
I think so. I mean, you know, during that scene, I would just I was creasing up with uh, so many at so many different points, like Robert Glenister, um Just everything was just hilarious. But the, also, funnily enough, with that scene, we were actually shooting it at like four o'clock in the morning. We were doing about we did like two weeks of night shoots, and that was one of them. And um, we I think we did wrap at about three or four in the morning. And by that point, nothing's funny anyway. <laughs> so we, by the time, by the time we kind of, it started off where everyone was having a good time. And then by the end of the scene, we were just, and I had to be like, you know, high on pills. So I'm, I'm having to be massively up and uh, um, energetic. And I remember looking around and I think Rosie was asleep. And like people were napping between takes, but I was like, I had to kind of, I just had to kind of keep pumped up. Uh, so at a certain point, it's just about getting the scene finished, especially at that time of night. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, it's I amazing. That, no, it's time, interesting man. that though, given where we started the conversation and actually what the reality that bites is that, that that scene was shot at three in the morning. So there is, there is a reality that is we need to get this done. It is, you know, making a film is obviously meant to be fun. Or else why else, why else bother trying to, you know, chase down these dreams and everything. But actually, once you're doing it and everyone's on set, then three o'clock in the morning is not a fun time for anyone. So it becomes a very <laughs> it becomes a very practical thing that needs to be done. And obviously, the the, the hope and the ambition yeah. is that that all melds together into what becomes the whole, as in your film Double Date in this instance. Yeah, exactly. And I I just have to trust that Ben behind the camera knows exactly and I do completely trust I know he knows exactly what he needs what's going to make the scene work when he edits it if the energy is right if the characters are in the right headspace and so um I just I would just keep looking over to Ben and going look I know everyone's kind of very sleepy and tired here but is the energy right and do we need to pick do we need to pick things up or whatever and so that's the director's job is to just make sure if people are laughing and having a great time, that's fine. We still need to get the scene. If people are pissed off and tired, that's fine. But we still need to get what we need for the scene. Um, so, it's, yeah, like you say, it becomes at that point just we've got a timetable here. We've got to finish this scene by 3.30 a.m. Let's get let's get let's get it done. So sometimes you have to get your head down and just kind of plow through. It's not always people are laughing and joking on set. Sometimes it's. It can be a bit of a slog, but it's still, you know, still the best experience in the world. It's amazing. Yeah. It's better than getting up at half five to do shifts somewhere. Well, exactly, mate. Yeah, no, that's it. It's 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 a real treat just being on set around people and just creating stuff and, and you know. Now, a mate of mine worked on your film, Dan Martin. Oh yeah, Dan, he's amazing. So, actually, so he's, uh, I'm going to say he is amazing, and his works all over yeah. film. People are getting scared and frightened and repulsed by many of his things that he imagines. Um, yes. Now, in terms of his involvement in the film, and obviously you being the writer of it and a star of it, yeah, I'm guessing you didn't have, did you have much direct involvement in how he goes? Well, obviously, what you wrote on the page and what he creates mm. for you. Do you have any role in that, or is that the producer and him, or the and or the director talking about what it is they need, or is it to do with is it like we've got a budget of X? What can you do? Was it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was. It was mostly. I think it was mostly Ben, 
and Ben, the director, and Dan would kind of collaborate on that kind of stuff. Mm. I think, you know, in the script, I would it would be kind of descriptive as what Daddy looked like, but mm. I, I always knew it was just going to have to be getting a great artist like Dan to say, okay, this is what we can do with this budget, and this is how this is how I see it. That's the that's the the, the thing I love the most about making films is that how collaborative it is and how mm. it's really it's about a, a whole bunch of artists coming together bringing their skills and putting in putting different people's skills together to create something that could only have been created by those people coming together if that makes sense so it does william burroughs um, calls it the third mind two people coming right. together create a third thing which could never have been done by either of them on their own I love that. The third mind. That's exactly what it is. It, it, yeah, it becomes its own thing. You can't, you know, one, that's why I love, I just, yeah, that's why I love filmmaking really, because it's so collaborative. So someone like Dan. Yeah, because just to be clear, so people understand who's listening, Dan, Dan was involved in developing sort of special visual effects for, yes. for a particular element of, of the film, which, which it goes, so if we think about your, what you were saying earlier about finding, you know, seeing Kitty literally, this is yeah. now the next the next stage on, which is you can't find an actor to fill the role of you can you don't look in a lookbook and go, um, so so Dan, <laughs> um, I'd like demon number seven with maybe uh, <laughs> with maybe a green perm, and he goes, oh, I'll go off and do that then. Uh, so it becomes <laughs> yeah. it becomes a real. He goes like, we need this this creature thing of some description that's going to be part of our movie's sort of real dark heart, and he goes, yeah. okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, exactly. <laughs> which obviously those words are not like again it comes back to that point of like there's only so many words you can say about what you want and then it becomes a job of when you see it you know it yeah yeah absolutely i think you know i just wrote uh in the script um he is kind of half dead i mean it's sort of sort of spoilery but it doesn't really matter to be honest um it's uh i kind of didn't really describe daddy too much mm. i just knew I knew that uh, someone would be able to just have a have a really good time kind of creating it, and Dan, and obviously Dan has the actor to work with, the of actor course, who yeah. plays the part, so you have to build the prosthetics around that actor, and so it's just, um, yeah, it was just amazing to watch, amazing to watch Dan work really, and he was nice enough to let me keep uh, Daddy's head. All of this will make more sense when you've seen the film, by the way. Of course. Um, <laughs> I got to keep a prosthetic head, a prosthetic arm. I mean, it was just the like amazing, and I've got it pride and place on my shelf in my bedroom. Which you've become like a fanboy of your own film. Yeah, I mate, I have, I, I totally <laughs> have, I totally have. I've still got the T-shirt with my own face on it. It's 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 really really weird. Now um, let's let's remind people then when how and how and where can people see the film. Uh, so, Double Day, it's uh, on Amazon. You can rent it on Amazon, iTunes, Google Play, uh, and it's on DVD and Blu-ray. Cool. One last thing then, I guess. Um, what, um, what, was your, what was your highlight of the festival run for Double Date for you? Oh, well, I mean, Fright Fest was special, uh, you know, and it all, it, I just love that festival was that, your anyway, pre- was that your world premiere but... when I saw it then? No, I think our world premiere was Edinburgh. Oh, Edinburgh okay. Festival was our world premiere. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
Fright Fest was just really, really special. And um, I, I was lucky enough to win the, the Screen International Award Stay to for you. Rising Star, which is amazing. I know, mate. It's the first <laughs> thing I've ever won. It was brilliant. Um, it was just a really special experience. And because I'm from London and Ben's from London and the, the film is, you know, most of it is set in London. And uh, so we, all our friends and family could come down and they put it on the big IMAX screen, which seeing my fucking head on IMAX screen was should no one should ever have to see that um uh so that was that was really odd and surreal um and it was just they you know you you know what the crowds are like at fright fest of they are well up for it they just just absolutely love the genre and just so supportive so that was a real that changed a lot for double day and you know we we're so so grateful for fright fest and did, did you did you go on elsewhere then after that um did you go to play abroad yeah. anywhere or anything yeah, we did. It was brilliant. We had we had the most amazing summer. Me, Ben, and Matt. You know, could that's when you can go around like you were saying earlier. You don't, you don't like writing, but you like to have written. Mm. Well, it's like when you've made something and you've got something. That's when you can really enjoy it and go around and showing it to people. It's it's a real buzz. And so we got to fly around. We went to uh, Karlovy Vary, which is uh, um, oh my god, I'm completely blanking now where that is. I can't, uh, I can't help you. I'm but. <laughs> No, it's all right. We went to Germany. Um, we went. Well, we went to Sweden. Yeah, we we you know we went to some. Oh, we went to LA. Went to Scream Fest in LA. Um, and how? And because I mean, obviously it's it, you could because obviously you're 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 British. There's a very there's a very British sensibility to double date, and obviously humour yeah. tends to be national if not regionally specific sometimes so how did you find some yeah. of like the how did you find how the humor went down did was the play was the parts that that went, landed differently in terms of this bit was funnier than 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 to some people than 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 maybe to british yeah audiences? yeah that was it was really interesting actually seeing how the jokes i mean to be completely honest nowhere else like in most countries no one can understand a bloody word michael sock is saying I mean, <laughs> half the people in England can't understand what Michael Sock is saying. But um, we had in a few countries there were subtitles. Um, interestingly, in in oh, where was it? I can't remember now. I think it was in Prague or Germany. Some places didn't have subtitles, and it was weird seeing uh, seeing the film play with subtitles because all, obviously the jokes are slightly delayed by about two seconds because people are reading the joke. Got you. And so it, that was a kind of slightly odd thing. Um, but, yeah, it was interesting. America, um, they, you know, it went, it went down really, really well there. Um, but, yeah, like you say, there is a lot of British humour in it. Uh, so we were slightly worried about how it would play, but most, yeah, we just got amazing responses. Um, no, to be honest, I, was, I don't think it's something, I think it's something to be, to be, um, to be proud of in a sense, because it's, it's, um, we can we can often get I think British filmmakers in particular because of the language you share with our American cousins, yeah. We, we can get too influenced by what their films do, as opposed to yeah. there is a British sensibility. I do I do an offshoot called Five Great British Horror Films, and I love right. speaking to foreign filmmakers about their favourite British films because I want to hear what their point of view is of what is a British film? You know, in the same way, if I watch Wreck, yeah. I'm watching a Spanish horror film, or if I watch Martyrs, I'm watching right. a French-Canadian film. It's like, there are things that have got to be, you know, that's what makes film in particular, but all art, interesting, because if we're all coming from a point of view, and it's not the same one all the time. Yeah, yeah absolutely. 
yeah, no, it was it was really really fascinating to see that. So what's see what's what, what's next for you then, Dan, Danny? Anything you can talk about? Yeah, well, the the team, the double date team, me, Ben, and Matt, we've been developing then our follow up project mm-hmm. for since double date finished, really. So for the last couple of years, we've been. Me and Ben have been writing the script together this time. It's a it's a film called Reds, mm-hmm. and it's sort of it's sort of about gingers, uh, about a ginger brother and sister who are on the run, um, and it's more of a kind of action comedy type thing. Right. Uh, and uh, so we've been kind of we've been developing that, and the script is done now, and we're we're kind of getting the the getting the whole package together to try and raise money. Matt's going to go off and try and get together a bit, a bigger budget, which is not going to be easy because, um, you know, double date as, as much as people really loved it and got great reviews and stuff. It's just, it's so tough for any film to make any money. So, um, yeah, but that's, that's, that's our follow up. That's exciting. And we hope, yeah, we're hoping to shoot next summer is the plan. We just need to find some famous ginger actors. So um, we're, we're going to go out to a bunch and just hope they like the script enough. And uh, yeah. And so, then Jessica Ch- that, so Jessica Chastain then, is she, she, she in the queue? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, she's there. She's there. <laughs> Basically, any we've just got a whole list of ginger actors and we're just going to go out to all of them. Uh, <laughs> really? See who's available. Yeah, well, look, it um, just gives me to say thank you very much for giving us your time on the podcast. Oh, thank you, Stuart. I loved it, mate. Appreciate it. Alan Parker said, sometimes with the British film industry, it's hard to know if we're waving or drowning. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.